Let's pray. Father God, we know there are Christians literally all around the world that are praying for the persecuted church today. And Father, we we want to lift them up before you. Some of them are probably hiding right now. Having church services in places, Lord, where they have to meet in private. They, they couldn't meet in public. Or what we just saw up on the screen would be happening to them today also. As we think about them, Father, our hearts go out to them wherever they are. We thank you, Lord, that persecution, as we look at persecution throughout history, it's, it's usually purified the church. And in a lot of cases, Father, it's strengthened the faith of believers. It's drawn people closer together and closer to you. And so we pray that today, Father. But the other side of the coin, Lord, is we thank you for our religious freedom here and someday what we've seen up on the screen could happen here in the United States of America. We, we don't know the future. We, we don't know exactly what's coming. But Father, I thank you that it hasn't arrived yet. And we don't take that for granted. We thank you for Christians that are imprisoned today. And being tortured for their faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. We remember them, Father. Strengthen them. Comfort them. Encourage them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We continue our series of messages uh, titled, Don't Be Left Behind, from the book of 1 Thessalonians. You should have received a handout as you came in this morning. Uh, did everybody receive a handout? It says, uh, so that, at the top, praying with purpose, so that, praying with purpose. Anyone that did not receive that and would like that, would you put your hand up and Randy will see that you get those? Looks, Randy, we've got... Andrew over here. Anyone else that did not receive it, get your hand, uh, put your hand up. Grace up here, Josh. You do not need to have those in your hands right now. Uh, that's basically, that handout's going to be almost at the very end of my sermon. So uh, some of you, when we get to that, you can really rejoice. All right. But it's going to be almost at the very end. Okay, that's the home stretch when we get to your handout. Uh, if you want to use the back of it to take notes on some of the other things I'm going to say this morning, feel free to do that. But we actually won't be getting to that till the end of the, the message this morning. Last week I preached on living in hard times. Living in hard times. And I want to go back and just get a little bit of a running start before we get to the section we're going to look at this morning. Uh, 
1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And I was just amazed at how well this message goes along with uh, praying for the International, uh, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, and by the way, when Paul uses the words severe suffering, it's taken to an entirely different level because he knew a lot of suffering. And when he says their suffering was severe, folks, believe me, it was very, very severe. You welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And then if you turn over to chapter 3, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul says in writing to the Thessalonians, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them and that unsettling feeling that comes in the midst of trials, Paul's talking about that. We get to verse 7 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians 3, 7 says, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And what encouraged them about their faith? Paul says that in verse 8. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. In the midst of severe suffering, in the midst of Difficult persecution. Paul says, we now have joy because we know that you are standing firm in the faith. You're standing firm. And then he goes on in verses 9 through uh, 13. And he gives us one of Paul's prayers in the Bible. And by the way, we have no one in the New Testament that we have more recorded prayers from than the Apostle Paul. All right? We have a lot of the Apostle Paul's prayers recorded in the Bible. A lot. And they're interesting to, to look and to compare how Paul prayed, and then I look at how I pray. And to compare the two, and I, I see that the way he prayed was totally different from the way I pray. And I've learned so much from studying the prayers of Paul. And that's part of what I want to share with you this morning. I want to share with you some things that can take your prayer life to a whole different dimension today. Because I think it's easy to kind of fall into the trap of praying for the same things all the time and praying in the same way all of the time. And sometimes your prayer life can kind of almost seem like it's stalled out. And we need something just to get it jump-started again. And I, and I really feel that by studying these prayers of Paul, uh, I know it's happened for me and I trust that it will happen for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Night and day, 
we pray. Question that I ask myself and I ask you this morning, question on the floor is simply this. When was the last time that our sleep was interrupted at night because we felt the need to pray? Day and night we pray. When was the last time that the Lord laid somebody on your heart at night when you were sleeping and you just said, man, I can't sleep. I've I, I got to pray for that person. Got to pray. I love that, what Paul says. Day and night we pray. Day and night we pray. You see, effective prayer, it engages the heart. Effective prayer engages the mind at all hours of the day and night. In verses 10 through 13, Paul is going to give us three requests that he prayed for the Thessalonians who were new believers. But I believe this prayer covers all believers, but whether they're new or they're believers that have been uh, Christians for a long time. These three requests I want to share with you this morning. How do we pray for other believers? What do we pray? He says in verse 10, night and day, we pray most earnestly. And when I think of that word earnestly, I think of the verse that uh, we just had up there from James chapter five, verse 17. Elijah was a man just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain for three and a half years. He prayed earnestly. And uh, we're going to talk about that in prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Is that James chapter 5, verse 17 passage? To pray earnestly. And what does he pray? That we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. What is lacking in your faith. The first request that Paul prayed for the Thessalonians was for faith to mature. For faith to mature. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution. He says, I want your faith to mature because we want to supply what is lacking in your faith. There's something that's still a little bit lacking in your faith. And part of that was because Paul wasn't able to spend a whole lot of time with the Thessalonians. Uh, He was literally running for his life and he wasn't able to stay there long enough to disciple them. There's still something that's a little lacking in your faith. And Paul was very concerned about other believers' faith. And I asked myself that. How concerned today is the 21st century church about each other's faith? Think about it. The early church was very conscious and just very focused in on praying for each other's faith. I shared this story uh, a while back in prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. And it left an indelible impression on me. I've never forgotten this story. This happened years ago. Our Chicago Spanish church that had been started by Ralph Brandenburg years ago, someone, an arson, set that church on fire. And I remember as that church was burned and just totally destroyed on the inside, 
They tried to get work teams from the missionary church to go there and to work on that building and to help that church out. And so I got a call because I was, they knew I was a painter and they said they had a lot of painting to get done. All right. So I got a call. They wanted me to bring a crew up there and see if we could help them uh, with, with the painting. And so we went and they had two prayer meetings that were on Wednesday night. One was in Spanish because the majority of their church was Span, uh, spoke Spanish. And the other one was in English. And obviously, I went to the one in English. But it was led, and it was a, it was, the English-speaking one was a group of teenagers from Chicago. And it was led by teenagers. And I'll never forget, as this one man, young man got up there, and he was the leader of the prayer meeting, and he, they just started talking about where they were at spiritually. And they were just really open, talking about, I'm struggling with this in my Christian life, and I'm, I'm struggling with this. And someone would say, well, I'll pray for that. And they just started assigning things as people just, just totally vented about where they were spiritually. And they went around that room and each one of those young people said, I pray for the spiritual life of, and they prayed for the person who was sitting next to them around that circle. And, and some of the stuff I heard there last, that night, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't hear anybody pray for any physical needs that night. Everything that they requested, everything that they prayed for was about something spiritual, something that would affect the kingdom. And it was like, Lord, I haven't experienced this. I went to Ralph Brandenburg and I said, Ralph, tell me the story of the guy that that young man that led that prayer meeting group. His name was Manny. I'll never forget him. I said, tell me that story about him. He said he was one of the toughest gangbangers in the city of Chicago. He came to know Christ and he walked away from the gang. And he told the gang, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I'm done. They said the gang hunted him down. They took a knife and they literally carved his back because he had his gang symbols on his back. They carved those out of his back. And this was the young man teaching and leading that prayer meeting group about pray for our spiritual lives. Folks, I've never forgotten that night. And I don't think I ever will. The first request for faith to mature. What is lacking in your faith? He he said there at the end of verse 10. And if you look back in chapter 3, verse 5, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I sent Timothy to to Philippi so that he could check in to see, or excuse me, to Thessalonica to check in on how your faith was. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and your love. That first request for faith to mature. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. 
Paul's asking God to provide a way for their paths to cross once again. That he might minister to them. That the Lord would direct the missionary team back to Thessalonica to visit these believers. It's, it's what he's praying there in verse 11. But the second thing Paul requests for these Thessal, uh, Thessalonica, the Thessalonians is in verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase. Not only for their faith to mature, but in verse 12, for their love to increase. For their love to increase. And overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. I, Paul's saying, I pray that God would make you an overflowing fountain of love. That your love would have no limits. That your love would have no limits. And as I, and as I started to think about this church and the people that were suffering and the persecution of this church, I thought, I understand why Paul would tell them that he wanted their faith to mature. They're going to need that in the midst of suffering and persecution. I, I get that one, Lord. But I, for their love to increase, what that seems a little bit out of place when you're talking about suffering and persecution for someone's love to increase, to become a, a fountain of love that just overflows to everybody and has love without limits. Seems a little unusual to pray that. And so I started to think about suffering and persecution and, and why would he pray for their love to increase? And I think it's for two reasons. Number one, number one, when we are suffering and going through persecution, we tend to become irritable, don't we? Kind of like I was yesterday. I came home in a bad mood yesterday on my anniversary. And I think that's where, I think that's where the Lord started speaking to me about this. In, you know, that their love would increase in the midst of suffering and persecution. Because we do, we tend to be irritable when we go through hard times. Am I alone here? Or anybody relate to me this morning? And what do you need when you start to become irritable? More than anything. More than faith. More than hope. Love. By the way, I got my act together before the day was over. My wife can testify to that. But I had my moments yesterday. But not only, but not only because we need love when we become irritable when we're going through hard times. But when we're going through hard times, many times we become selfish. We become selfish. Times of suffering can be times of selfishness. Sometimes Christian love is the first casualty of hard times. We're supposed to be fountains of love overflowing to everyone. But sometimes we get irritable and we get selfish. And that love that's supposed to be overflowing in our lives becomes something that becomes ingrown in our lives. And we need our love to increase. We need to increase. I love the illustration by James McDonald, who pastors a church uh, in Illinois. 
He had just preached his message on a Sunday morning. His wife came up to him and he, he tells this story in the book that he wrote called Authentic. But he says he had just preached the message. The service was done. It was pouring down rain and people literally were running to their cars. And his wife came up to him and said, James, we've got four children here uh, that need a ride home. And he thought to himself, man, I'm tired. I just want to go home. She said, but they need rides home. It's pouring down rain. They can't walk. And so he said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll take them home. They're driving down the road. And he said his windshield wipers were trying to, uh, trying to take the rain off the windshield, but they just weren't quite able to accomplish that. You've been in rains like that, and so have I. Just the windshield wipers just weren't keeping up. And he said, all of a sudden, his wife, just out of the blue, says, James, do you see that man out there? Do you see that man out there? And she said it twice. And he's like, honey, I, I don't see anyone. I can barely see the road. She said, there's a man out there and he needs our help. And James said, I'll take these four children home first. And if he is still there, when we come back, I'll stop and help him. And he said, his, his wife had said, we need to help him. And he said, but his wife was eight months pregnant. So he knew the we meant me. Any of you ever been in that situation? Where the we quickly becomes me? <clears throat> so he said, he took the, the four children. He, take, he took them home. And as, as he was driving back, he was looking for this man and he couldn't find him. And then all of a sudden his wife said, there he is. He's over there. As James looked, what he saw was an old homeless man that had a cart. And his cart had been destroyed because of the wind and the rain. Uh, a wheel had come off and all of the possessions that this homeless man had had come off the cart and were literally literally floating down the, the road that had been flooded. James said he, he took off his jacket. He had a brand new suit he had just purchased. He took off his suit, his suit jacket, left it in the car, got out, walked over to the man. It's just pouring down rain. And he said he got soaked. When he got to the man, he said the man was so disoriented that even though his cart was broken down, the man kept trying to take his possessions and put them back in his cart. And every time that he did, the cart would just fall over. So James literally reassembled his cart, fixed his cart, and then he started to pick up the possessions of this man, all the possessions this man had in the entire world. And James said, to me, they look like trash. But to him... They were valued. And he starts put he put the cart back together and he puts starts putting the stuff back in the cart. And then he thought to himself, This man, this is a pathetic individual. This is a pitiful story. 
And if I'm going to go to this much trouble, I'm at least going to tell this man about Jesus. And so he started to tell the man about Jesus. And the man quickly said, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to know about Jesus. I don't want anything to do with him. And he said this. But if you have a dumpster at your church that has trash, I'd be willing to come over and get some of that from you. And James McDonald said he stood there. And he thought to himself, why won't this man accept Jesus? I've shown him love. It's pouring down rain. Why won't he accept Christ? He doesn't want anything but the trash out of my dumpster. And he said, he went and got back in his car. And he began to drive home. Out of the corner of his eyes as he was driving, he saw that his wife Kim was crying and tears were just streaming down her cheeks. And he thought to himself, oh my, what have I done now? What have I done now? And so he asked her, honey, what did I do? And for a moment she was silent and then she said this, James, That is the greatest sermon you have ever preached. And he thought about everything he had said back in that sermon on Sunday. And he thought, you know, if I hadn't helped that man out, if I hadn't shown that man love, if my love hadn't overflown to him, everything I said back at the church wouldn't have meant anything. Because he had preached on love that morning. You see, I think sometimes we talk about love in the church, but what this world needs to see, they need to hear less about our love. They need to see our love demonstrated more. That's what they really need to see. They need to see it demonstrated. They need to see people helping people when it's pouring down rain put their carts back together. Paul prayed for their love to increase. What were the first two? Come on. What's the first one? What was the first request? Faith to mature. What's the second one? How about if I could show you this morning that Paul's prayers were answered? Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 3 and 4. This book was written just a little bit after 1 Thessalonians, but I want you to catch this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. He had, he had prayed that their faith would mature. Your faith here now is growing more and more. And he had prayed that their love would increase. Look what it says here. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Praise God. Those first two requests were answered. They're answered. Verse 13, the third thing that he requested, and I'm not going to say much about this one, because uh, it's basically what the message is going to be next Sunday. 
uh, when I talk about pleasing God. But the third request that he made in verse 13 is for lives to be holy. For lives to be holy. And we're going to really hit that hard next week. For lives to be holy. Look at verse 13. May He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. Let me give you just one thought here. And then we're ready for your handout. All right? Still got your handout? All right, we're just getting ready for it here. Verse 13. Now, this is something... I'm going to throw this in free of charge. Because I find this to be interesting. In verse 13, he says, may he strengthen. May he strengthen. That is an interesting word. That is the word from which we get our English word, steroids. Steroids are strengtheners. Isn't that an interesting word? The Greek word is the word from which we get our word, steroids. That He may strengthen your hearts. He may strengthen your hearts. Okay, now we're ready for your handout. Ready for your handout here. A number of months ago, I was uh, speaking to our prayer meeting group. And I thought I had stumbled across a teaching that was unique to me. And sometimes I, I like it when I feel like there's something there that I've never heard preached before. And uh, I, I, I shared it with the Wednesday night prayer meeting group. And then we had our prayer seminar with Jonathan Graff. And Jonathan, uh, he is uh, the, the leader of Harvest Prayer Ministries. And he writes articles for Prayer Connect magazine. Uh, we had him here for a prayer seminar. And he also wrote the book. That's a tremendous book. Every Christian ought to have this thing. Praying like Paul. Praying like Paul. Learning to pray the kingdom for those you love. And when he got going and he got teaching, he said everything I had said on that Wednesday night. I'm like, man, I wasn't original at all. <laughs> and he did it better than I did it. And he wrote it better than I could have written it. And I was like, my goodness, I thought I had stumbled on something here. But, but he says this, and he says this, we need to pray more for spiritual development and less for comfort and ease. We need to pray more for the Holy Spirit to transform and less for things that make the lives of those we love normal. That's radical. Don't, isn't that the way we pray? Most of the time it's, Lord, put their lives back to normal. Lord, they've got a trial. Help them to get out of that thing. Now, we don't normally pray get through. It's get them, out, get them out of it. And he says we miss it because we're not praying with a kingdom mindset. We're praying with a very earthly mindset of security and safety. And he's absolutely right. But most of us, that's kind of the way we've grown up praying that kind of stuff, you know. And so that praying with purpose, when you add so that to your petitions, it forces you to ask yourself, what do I really want God to do in this person's life? Paul prayed something so that something else would happen. 
And these are so many of his so that prayers. I'm just going to read them. I'm not going to read the verse. I'm just going to read these. Paul would pray something, and then those two words, so that, henna, henna in the Greek is the word that's used there, henna, so that. And he says, may he strengthen your hearts. Why do you want him to strengthen your hearts? Paul says, so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody hearing some, a different way to pray than what you normally pray? And I'm not here to downplay physical needs. I know those are, those are important. I know people are suffering. I get all that. But I think we lean so far in our prayers to the physical needs that many times we, we just forget about the spiritual needs and the and by the way these are spiritual blessings he is pouring out in his prayers on other people and i'm thinking to myself wow to pray that way to pray spiritual blessings on people that's what he's doing here he says i keep asking that the god of our lord jesus christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this is my prayer. This is what I'll be teaching on tomorrow night in Fort Wayne School of Urban Ministries, Philippians 1, 9 and 10. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And there are six different times. This is Paul praying for others, but there are six different times in, in his writings where he asks people to pray for him. And three of the six times he includes those two words. So that. Pray for me. So that. So that. So that praying with purpose. With this, I close. S.D. Gordon said this. The greatest thing anyone can do for God and man is to pray. It is not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. Not those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor those who can explain prayer, but those who take time to pray.
May God make us praying people. And may God make Harvester Church a praying church. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask the worship team to come and they're going to close with a, another old hymn.